Well, as you grab those Bibles, I know some of you join uh, online and we're going through the New Revised Standard Version. If you have a mobile device, uh, we are going to Acts 17. I'm going to read for us in a moment, verses 22 through 28. And uh, even as you turn there, and a reminder that that red book in the pews is your pew Bible. If you're in the front row, if you don't know, there's a little cubby right behind your leg. Some pew Bibles there. And in a moment, as I read this, uh, we're going to, in many ways, set up our summer series. But before I go to that, you notice uh, a group of people over my shoulder that you normally don't see at the 11 a.m. service. And, And we'll get to them in a moment. It's a special morning plan, a lot of instruments that you normally don't see. And we'll get to that in a moment. But before we get to that, I just want to briefly set up where we're headed this summer. You know, as a church, we've been talking about what it means for us to follow Jesus every day and everywhere with everyone. This is a very active way of life. This is not just something that we come and do on Sundays. This is not just something that we can cram into an hour once a week. But literally, it's a way of life, this life that Jesus invites us into. And in order to do that, we need wisdom. Because there's a lot of situations that we will enter into and we won't have the resources, we won't have the words, we have no idea how to navigate through the complexities of it. It's as if you're reaching into your pocket trying to pull out something, some tool, something, some resource to get yourself through a situation. When you pull up and reach out and you've got nothing, what you need is what you need is you need wisdom. And what we're going to do over this summer is we're going to go through the Proverbs Now, King Solomon, who also wrote a Song of Solomon and also Ecclesiastes, wrote these Proverbs, and the Bible describes Solomon as the wisest person who ever lived. Now, let me just say from the get-go that I know that there's skeptics here. There's people who are listening online who are not believers, and maybe some of uh, you are like I used to be, or even some of my friends today who say, wait, hold on, hold on. The wisest person who ever lived. I mean, he kind of lived thousands of years ago. Haven't we, like, progressed a lot as a society, as a human race? I mean, I've got friends who will literally say to me, they'll say, this is laughable, Drew. The, The world back then was so simple. The world today is so complex. How on earth can you say that you can actually get the resources to navigate the difficult, complex world that we live in today from Scripture, my friends will tell me. And so what we're going to do this summer is we're going to actually sit at the feet of Scripture, so to speak, and we're going to find that there's wisdom that transcends not only culture, but it transcends history. That actually, because it's not Solomon's wisdom, but because it's God's wisdom, that it actually is applicable today as much as it was 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. So in order to set up this summer, I just want to start in the book of Acts. You might say, wait a second, why set up Proverbs with the book of Acts? Well, we're actually going to see that the Apostle Paul, one of the first leaders of the early church, is actually applying this same wisdom, God's wisdom, to a situation And you're going to find very quickly that this world in which he is living in is as complex as today. That you'll quickly see that the world back then was not just this simple idea, and it's actually would be wrong for us to say that somehow we are more advanced. Yes, we've got more technology, but it would be arrogant for us to say that in 2016 that we live in a more complex world than back then, that this wisdom doesn't apply to us. So let me read. This is Acts 17, verses 22, all the way to 28. Then Paul stood in front of the Oropagus and said, Athenians, 
I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, He who is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is He served by human needs, as though He needed anything, since He Himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor He made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and He allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grow up for Him and find Him, though indeed He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are His offspring. This, my friends, concludes the reading of God's Word. All right, so what's going on here? So if you actually back up a little bit, take a look at verse 17 there. It says, so he, this is talking about Paul, argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and also in the marketplace. And if you have your pew Bible, there's a little letter right after the word marketplace. It's the letter B and it's a little note. If you look at the very bottom, it says, or civic center. The Greek word is agora. Let me hear you say agora. Kind of like Agora Hills, a little west of us. But now the word agora, is, it basically means marketplace. But I want you to get out of your mind this idea of a market like... We're not talking about Ralph's here. This isn't Gelson's. It's not the Third Street Promenade. This isn't the Beverly Center. You see, this is a world, uh, actually, in Athens, if you know human history, that uh, the Roman Empire at this point has actually overwhelmed, and they've, with their military power, they've defeated Greece. And so now in Athens, though Athens isn't their military source of power, in Athens... It's so phenomenal. There's actually no place on the planet today that was like Athens back then. Because in Athens, it was not only the media capital of the Roman Empire, it was not only the financial capital of the Roman Empire, it was not only the artistic capital of the Roman Empire, it was also the intellectual capital of the Roman Empire. There's nothing like it today. It would be like you took all of Hollywood, all that comes out of Hollywood, and you were able to take all that comes out of Wall Street. You think about all the stock market and the investment banking. Let's say you were able to take all of Broadway, where all the great plays and all the great art, all the, the artistic endeavors. And maybe if you were to take, let's say, uh, some think tanks, South by Southwest, TED Talks, if you were to take the, the faculty of Caltech and you were able to smoosh them together in one place, that was Athens in the first century. Think about how powerful. Think about how influential. Think about how complex that world was. And here's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. It is as applicable to a leper on the margins of society as it is to the leaders in the most influential places. And you see throughout the book of Acts that on one hand, they are ministering to those on the margins, but they're also ministering to those in the places of power. And in here, in Acts 17, we see Paul. He is bringing himself and the wisdom that God has given him to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is following Jesus in this very complex situation, and he's sharing. And people begin to listen. They begin to talk to him, and they actually invite him to a place called the Oropagus. 
Now, this is kind of an invite-only type of place. You can't just walk into the Areopagus. There were two leading philosophical schools, and they would debate day and night over these different ideas. We live in a world, same thing, we debate over what is good, what is bad, how we should live, and we see it on the news, we see it everywhere. We live in a world where we have different opinions. And so, in this Areopagus, it wasn't just a place where they would debate but it was where they would debate among people who were people of influence. And he is invited to speak in front of the entire group. It would be as if he just got invited to, let's say, the Jonathan Club downtown, to the Soho House in West Hollywood, to speak in front of the UN, to speak in front of a group of influential people, and he gets the floor. And I, I know some of you, you're skeptics, and you come here, and, and, and maybe you wonder if this whole God thing is real. But you have to know that there is a wisdom, there is a resource, there is something that God provides that is as applicable, as I said, to lepers and leaders, that there is no culture that the gospel cannot penetrate into, that there's no situation in this world that God says, I, I can't use you there. In fact, many of you, you have access to places and things and people. Maybe you're in line headed to first class. Maybe you're on the unemployment line. Maybe you're in the corner office. Maybe you just got fired from your office. Every single one of us finds ourselves in different situations, in different places, and God is inviting to find Him in the midst of it. And what's so amazing of what the Apostle Paul does here is he shows up and he's in front of a group of people that are very, very different than him. And we need to see how he does this today, I think more than ever, because we live in a world and we live in a moment in time where we have no idea how to interact with people that are different than us. And we look around and see what's on the news in this election year. We see the news of what happened last night where somebody walked into a club people who were very different than him, and look what happened, 50 people dead. God's heart is broken at how we try to navigate this world with our own wisdom. We as humans, all of our hands are dirty. We've all made a mess of it. And God says, I love you. This is not what I want for you. And he captured Paul's heart in such a way that it absolutely transformed him. Did you know that Paul used to be known as a man named Saul, who was one of the most violent men towards the early church? And there might be people in your life where you say, you know, they're the last person on earth who would come to know Christ. Well, that was Saul. And God got a hold of him absolutely transformed his life, filled him with true wisdom, with true humility, with true love, with true grace, with true mercy. And he had the boldness to walk into the most influential places in the world and say, hey, I'm just here to love you. Well, where do you see that? Where, 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 Drew, where do you see that he came to love? Because, you know, some people come armed with hate. Some people come armed with ideas so that they can defeat the other person to feel better about themselves. Where do you see that, that he comes armed with love? Let's take a look here in verse 16. Let me conclude on this point. Verse 16 says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed. 
to see that the city was full of idols. Now, the word distressed in the Greek language is such a beautiful, complex word. It's this mixture of emotions. It's, there's this tension packed into, it's like a suitcase, and you pack into that word the ideas of anguish and sorrow and anger and love. You've actually experienced this word in your own life. If you've ever had somebody that you know, that you love, that is close to you, that is making decisions that is causing their life to unravel, somebody that you love so closely and they're destroying their own life with their actions, with their choices, with the things that they've caught themselves into, that if you have an emotion that is a mixture of sorrow and anguish and yet anger yet is prompted by love, that's what this word means that we translate to the word distressed. You see, the Apostle Paul, he looks out on a culture and he's not filled with hate. He doesn't want to win the argument. He doesn't want to make a point at the expense of others. He doesn't want others to conform to be like him so that he feels good about himself. He was absolutely overwhelmed with this sense of, of sorrow. Where did he learn that? Where did he get that? Where did he get that kind of love? Well, he had a God that came to him. Jesus, fully God, fully human, who was absolutely filled with that same level of anguish and sorrow and distress and, and deep love, who saw all of humanity, who saw Paul, who saw you, who saw me. It says, oh, the decisions that you're making on your own wisdom, with your own resources, there's a love that you're looking for, that you're still grasping for. There's a knowledge that you want that isn't satiated. There's a purpose that you're still looking for. There's a joy that you haven't quite found. And the answer, Jesus says, is me. And it changed Paul's heart in such a way that he actually was willing to step into that very different culture and to love it. And the amazing thing is that the Roman Empire was absolutely loved to death. The Roman Empire that was so violent, that was so vicious, ended up dying because it was loved to death by human beings that had been loved to death by a God, that their sin was dead, that their selfishness was dead, that their anger was dead, that their need for revenge was dead, that this God entered into their life, absolutely transformed them. That's why we're going to spend this whole summer going through some Proverbs to get that kind of wisdom so that we can walk into those places of influence. Not our own wisdom, not our own power, not our own resources. To not make things messier or worse. I do that all the time when I go in with my own wisdom. I thought, oh, I'm trying to help. I made it worse. Anybody else like me? Yeah, we need that. We need that. I need that wisdom. And so my hope and my prayer is that as you go through this summer, whether you are here in town or whether you are traveling and join us online, that we would collectively go to this wisdom that transcends culture, that transcends time, that transcends history so that we can be met, so that we can be transformed, so that we can follow Jesus every day and everywhere with everyone with a wisdom that will absolutely surprise us and overwhelm us in those situations. Let's pray. God, as we enter into this summer, we get to pause for a moment and we get to take in not only your word, but we get to, in a space, 
that many people have created here at this church, that we get to sit with it for a moment. So God, as we are moved by music and worship and the reading of your word, and as we respond, may this penetrate deeper into our hearts. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name we pray, and we say together, amen.